You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. Let's start the year off strong. Download our Unstucked Budgeting Guide to get unstuck in your finances to begin to understand your flow of money. Look, when I think back to when I really made a shift from living paycheck to paycheck to being able to invest and actually understand my retirement timeline, it all started with budgeting. So download our budgeting guide available in the show notes. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I'm joined by Corey Lewis. Corey is the CEO of One in One. If you'll remember two weeks ago, we had his business partner and president, Thomas drew on to discuss the seven dimensions of wellness. Today, we're here to talk with Corey about his passion for fitness, health, and wellness, and being a coach in all of those areas. Corey has years of experience in the field of health and wellness. Corey works with individuals to help them reach their physical fitness and overall wellness goals, focusing on developing successful strategies built on consistency, self-control, and discipline. Corey has always been driven by his mission to empower people to take their physical health into their own hands to create lasting and meaningful, positive change. One-in-one is just a byproduct of that mission. Corey, what's going on? I should say C. Lou is what I call you. What's going on? (laughs) Man, not much. Uh, Happy to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me and and always excited to have a conversation with you. I don't know if you know this, but every time I'm on TikTok or Instagram and I'm having a day where I'm super busy and I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit in my 20-minute walk, I see your videos pop up. And even if it's not about physical health, I know you talk about a plethora of things. I'm like, all right, I got to do this for my man, C. Lou. So I just want to say you're a huge inspiration. I really appreciate all the work you do. And I'm excited for the audience to hear about all the wonderful holistic work you've not only done for yourself, but also what you've done for so many individuals. So I just want to say you have a huge respect for you. Well, I appreciate that. I have huge respect for you as well. And your passion and and obviously you're doing to help people really take strides with financial literacy, with their business, with their entrepreneur mindset. That's so important because it feels like, you know, we're all in this rat race towards success, but there's not enough information or structured information available to us that really streamlines all the information out there. Because, you know, obviously Google exists and you could do the work, but in the same way that we learn educationally, it's important to have a voice or an opinionated voice through experience and through trial and error themselves kind of structured in a way that that really makes it make sense, you know. And so in, in, in the way that I, I'm passionate about what I do, um, you know, in the fitness, health and wellness side, you're obviously very passionate about helping entrepreneurs, people who just want to make money, you know, save for a house and do those things. Very important as financial literacy is is lacking and, and, you know, obviously in the black and brown community, but in all communities, you know, so it's very important work and, and, you know, same to you, your, your content inspires me as well. And and I'm thankful for the work that you put in. I really appreciate that. You know, sometimes we was just talking with a friend, you know, we get so caught up in the hamster wheel of just trying to like strive and do the next thing and help the next person that sometimes we forget to look back at our work. So I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. As you know, as a senior product advisor currently for One One, I absolutely love the vision and I can't wait to get more into that. I know the audience got a great introduction from T. Drew. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Thomas Drew on to talk about One and One and finding your balance and wellness. I love this conversation as a way to continue that because 
Corey Lewis has not only been a champion in his own health journey, but also, like I mentioned, has helped others. But before we launch into all of that, I want to ask you the same question I actually asked Thomas, which was a really good one. What is your earliest memory about learning about either health and or wellness? Like, what was your first memory? Because we're often, you know, shaped by our childhood a lot of the times. Well, what are some of your early memories of that? You know, for me, sports was something that was huge in my um, early childhood. The nutritional aspect wasn't my strong point. Um, you know, I was someone who, before getting an opportunity to move in with my uncle, John Uendahl, who I consider my my second father, that allowed me to see the other side of the world, you know, to where he, he was obviously a very successful banker on Wall Street. You know, I, I grew up in East Flatbush, where the next meal was whatever the next meal was. And my mother did her very best to, you know, ensure that it was something. So I was, I was fortunate enough to see both sides. So I can't say I had the experiences to have the knowledge base for the nutrition aspect for sports and performance. But I did realize at an at a early age that, you know, it was important to stay consistent, be disciplined if you were going to take strides and being a better athlete or being better with the sport that you're passionate about. Um, and that took repetition. And in the same way that it takes repetition of just showing up to the gym and, you know, making it a habit to do the necessary things in order to make change for yourself, for your physical self and your physical well-being, as well as your mental. That was something I, I was able to realize at a young age. You know, that was something that instilled in me by my mother and even my biological father, who had a, you know, stint playing um, basketball professionally before moving on to become a, a, a hardworking plumber. It, it was something that, that was really instilled in me at, at a young age. And I was someone who, I was always a big kid, but I had some baby fat. And um, I remember just kind of the, the switch flipping for me to, I want to get this weight off. And I just put in the work to do my push-ups and do my sit-ups and you know, and, and really, I didn't know what that was providing for me, but I saw the changes in my body that I was happy with. And I loved the way I started to look, feel, perform. And, you know, I realized when you put the work in at a young age that the results will follow. And, you know, that's kind of what started to mold my kind of theory of, of around helping people in their physical and mental journeys. You know, I use this this term called the three D's of devotion and building better habits, which is the drudgery stage, the discipline phase, and the delight phase, right? That drudgery phase, a lot of us get to that phase where we know we should be doing something, but we dread it. So it's a burden every time we got to do it, whether it's reading your Bible or just reading in general or that meditation you should be doing, going to the gym, whatever it may be. That's the drudgery phase, but the way we bridge ourselves to the delight phase to where that act, that habit that we know we should be doing because it's, it's just good for our well-being, how we get to that delight phase is through discipline. And discipline is just by showing up and I guess by way of forcing yourself to do it because we know that it takes at least 30 days of doing something to make it a habit. Typically with good habits come results and that's where the delight phase comes in. You know, and that's something that I was able to see at a young age. So for me, it was it was something that I've been always wanting to apply to other people and helping them see that, look, I get it. You're in this drudgery phase. You you hate working out or, you know, you hate eating certain foods or dislike them, even if they're good for you. 
you know, so it's dreadful. So it's not sustainable, you know, by the end of the day, understanding that the results are on the other side of doing these things. Let's implement these things. Let's just be consistent and disciplined and implement these things. And if you don't see the change that you want, then yeah, you know, let's figure out another path. But more times than not, you'll probably start to see results, which the results are what, you know, enable you to feel that sense of delight to where, oh, I, I kind of like the way I feel. Like, I like the way that I look. So I'm going to keep doing this. And now it turns into a sustainable situation. Absolutely. And that's so well articulated. I don't think to your point earlier, right? Like people don't have the structure. And I think a lot of the time don't even have the vocabulary to diagnose exactly what they're doing so they can't prescribe their way out of it. So I really appreciate, I just know if it helped me just now with the 3Ds, because I fluctuate between delight and drudgery, it seems like on a daily basis, but I always have the discipline and the habit for the most part, not perfect, to show up. And I want to ask you because... Thomas kind of shouted you out in the last episode, and I promised the listeners that we would talk more about it. As you know, I'm very proud of you for your journey, and I want to hear about your weight loss journey because I know that a lot of the time people look at just the scale, they look at the pounds, but there's so much more that I've seen even transform within yourself past just that number on the scale. And I think that's what holds a lot of us back is we're so focused on that, but you just so wonderfully articulated the need for habits. So in that journey, what were some of the habits that you found to be most helpful? And just talk to us a little bit about that journey, because I know T. Drew mentioned that you kind of took that journey alone, but you had your inspiration and the people holding you accountable and, you know, just wanting to show up and lead by action. So I want to hear about one, what are some of the habits that you formed that were super helpful? And then two, just take us through some of the challenges and upsides of that journey. So for me, after my football career, I was an offensive lineman. For the listeners, I was able to play collegially and then professionally for a little bit before, unfortunately, I had eight knee surgeries, tore my ACL four times, and my career was cut short. So I definitely dealt with a lot mentally and physically from playing the sport of football. I was someone who, after football, I was kind of, as we, as most of us do, as most athletes do, after their careers are over, you know, after giving so much time, energy, effort, and really building your identity around a sport, you know, I just kind of locked in on eating better and, and losing weight and, and I got all the way down. And then I kind of found my path of what I was going to do. My entrepreneurial spirit kicked in and I was starting to meet a lot of awesome people, but a lot of these awesome people wanted me to do a lot of awesome things with them on a consistent basis. And man, I blew right back up, right back up to 340 pounds. I wasn't working out as consistently, and I was just straight away from a lot of the good habits I had carried over from my football days and implemented them right away post-career that ultimately allowed me to get down to a reasonable weight that I wasn't worried about. But once I started to live a different lifestyle, work out like once a week and, and not really focus on those things, and you know, I was traveling a lot more, I was doing a lot of things to really work on a lot of the entrepreneurial things that I had going on but I didn't really know how to provide the necessary structure for myself to help continue to allow my overall mental and physical wellness to be enhanced while having to deal with something like entrepreneurship and the real world, day-to-day -day working. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I had to reset once I kind of saw myself in a picture. I think T. Drew took, I'll never forget, we were on one of our friend's boats and, um, it was just a picture and I was just horrified by what I saw. 
I didn't love the way I looked and I knew I needed to change. I knew that this lifestyle I was living wasn't sustainable if I wanted to feel and look better for what was good for me. We all have our thoughts on what looks good and what doesn't look good. And that's okay. At the end of the day, like it's about striving for what feels good to you. And and it's never going to be perfect, but it, it, at the end of the day, it's about finding that balance of getting yourself to a place that you're happy with, that you can move forward with. And, and if you do fall off track, because you will, it's life, things get thrown at you, that you have the infrastructure and the habits to fall back on, to kind of put yourself back in place. So for me, it was seeing that picture that, that kind of ignited the fire in me to, to really get going. I remember I saw the picture and like I had a drink in my hand and I just put the drink down. It was almost as if something happened to me where people were like, you like, like you good? And everybody around me, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm straight. And I just realized I needed to change. So I started, I went to sleep that night. I kind of outcasted myself from all the stuff that was going on, all the external factors that was going on and really just chose to lock in, you know, starting that very next day. It just started by going back to the gym, going back to what I know, not having those pancakes and French toast and all those nice foods that I was enjoying over the you know, past uh, eight months to a year in which I, I, I really blew up. And, you know, I just made a decision. And I'm not saying it's easy to just make a decision like that in the way that I did, but it was something that I was really adamant on doing. It was something I really locked in on. And that was my approach. That was something I knew how to do because I had done it before with other things, you know, and that's why when I'm working with people, I try to identify where you're at on your journey based on other habits, other things that you've done and completed in life. So we can relate your physical and fitness journey to that, because at the end of the day, it might just be that you just show up to the gym in your gym clothes. And that's the habit that we form first before we run, we got to crawl, we got to walk. And, you know, that's kind of the journey. And that crawl, walk, run journey looks different for all of us. For me, I was able to get back to going to the gym. It was something I did very often, you know, as an athlete, but a lot of the reasons why a lot of athletes kind of fall off is because they put so much time into something, into the gym, into the weight room, into performance, that it's like the last thing they want to do once they're done playing, you know, so they kind of lose sight of the importance of it, even if they, even if they know, and it's been such a big part of their life. So for me, it was just locking back into that mindset and giving myself the necessary motivation to show up every day. And that motivation was that damn picture that, you know, I saw myself that I, I didn't, I didn't love the way I looked. And I was just honestly shocked. I, I knew I wanted to change and, and I wanted to lock in. And one of the biggest habits for me was every morning I have this power hour to where if I have something at 5.30 a.m., I'm up at 4.30 a.m. If I have something at 6.30, I'm up at 5.30 a.m. And this power hour is important because what I do here is sets the tone for my day because I get up, I meditate, I journal. With my journaling comes my to-do list. I avoid emails because a lot of times emails can kind of, especially if something comes in that needs attention, it can throw you off track of your physical journey. I'll focus on an entrepreneurial journey later. You know, if I start to check emails and something is in an email that bothers me, I'm not someone that can just not address it. Be like, I'm going to go on my walk and let it go. Let bygones be bygones. And I totally know what you mean. Yeah, no, it's it's hard for me to do that. So I try to avoid emails until it's like time to work or like until I get my self-care done. That's important that like, 
you know, find that balance. Like it was an email. It's work. And yes, it needs its attention and it needs that focus. But so do you. Your self-care needs that necessary attention. And that power hour is so important for me in order to get ready for the day for whatever the day is going to have to throw at me. But if I don't get up, meditate, read, try to learn my whole path every morning is meditate. And that's through whether it's through breath work or just your standard practice of meditation for 10 to 20 minutes. And then my second 20 minutes, I like to learn and or play like brain games that kind of get my brain active and going, which obviously helps wakes you up scientifically to kind of work at something. Um, there's a lot of strategic brain games that you can access through your phone, but also my mental performance coach recommends or supplies to me to, to really get my brain functioning at a high level. And then that back half is again about reading or learning something that I can apply to either the entrepreneur side of what I do or to the fitness slash wellness coach side of what I do. And I think that really sets the tone for my day. And then the next hour, I try to make it a workout, but sometimes I have clients very early. So whether it's getting into the gym to meet a client uh, for their workout before getting to mine, it's one or the other. But that power hour is very important because it kind of gets you into the flow of habits right away. As soon as you wake up, that's why that book, Make Your Bed, you know, I, I forget the exact name of it, is is a really solid book. And obviously, the Atomic Habits and, and all that good stuff. Those are great books because it just talks about the importance of habits. And even the small habits, such as like brushing your teeth and making your bed every day, can really go a long way because you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So instilling those habits, even if they're so small, was so important for me. Look, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't feel like making my bed every day. I don't feel like having power hour every day. That was going to be my follow-up question. It's like, man, I, I can't do that every day. There's going to be boards I wake up and I look over and I'm like, my puppy and my wife are all cozy. I'm going back to sleep, man. But I love that you talked about the structure piece because I think that's so important. But I'll let you continue. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, man, it's definitely tough. It's definitely tough, especially I, I can only imagine if your dog and, and your wife are, are, are laying there, they're next yeah. to you looking nice and comfy. <laughs> yeah. But man, like, you know, as David Goggins talks about, like, no one's sitting there saying, like, this shit is easy, you know, but, you know, nothing worth having is easy. But it's the discipline and it's the it's the thought of who you want to be, what you want to look like that motivates the hell out of me to pull those covers off and get to it and not text my client that I'm canceling on them today or like don't cancel on yourself. You owe it to yourself to get in there and get it done. I guarantee you, yes, that extra hour, it feels great. But what I always realize is that with the, at the extra hour, I'm still tired. You know what I'm saying? Like, facts. <laughs> I've never woken up whether, whether I get six hours. And of course, you feel different as the day goes on based on how much sleep you got. But I've never woken up like, man, I feel great. It's just never happened. I, I can almost always go back to sleep for sure, whether I got six hours or eight hours. So it's like for me, it's not wasting time because sleep is important. It is important towards physical results and, you know, how you look, how you feel and all that good stuff because that's your most important part of the recovery process. All I'm saying is that like, if it comes down to sleep in six hours or seven hours where that seventh hour could have been a moment for you to take strides in bettering yourself, to me, that's more beneficial than that extra, you know, hour of sleep or even that extra hour of being awake and scrolling on your phone and, and doing nothing, you know? So like really making it a point to make that initial hour in your day 
you know, very impactful to set the tone for the rest of the day. That's so good. It's those little things. My, I stole it from Michael Jordan, but my slogan for life is I focus on the little things. Little things add up to big things. And there's a lot of things you covered, and I want to kind of go back for a second. One of them was your eight knee surgeries. Right off the bat, you're someone that I pegged as super resilient, and you have that resiliency, and you set it as a follow-up. You don't cancel on yourself. And I just appreciated not only the vulnerability of sharing that, but also the vulnerability of sharing kind of the weight loss journey, but also the weight gain journey of switching into entrepreneurships and the demands of that. I know firsthand that that's something that I continually struggle with. I was an XD1 athlete. The moment I stepped off the tracks, I was like, I don't think I ever want to work out ever again. And I had to work through quite a bit of trauma that I realized I had consumed because I was working out from a fear base of, of, it was very fear-based for me because it was all scholarship driven. So even as I knock on the age of 30, I'm still in that mode of like drudgery and discipline of trying to set up structure to work out because I prioritize, like you so eloquently put, I prioritize everything else before the physical portion. I do wellness. I do all of that throughout my day. My journals fill up. And that was another thing that I really appreciated that you did that I don't even know you did, which is you didn't start right off with, hey, I go and work out in the morning. You're, you get your mind right. You take care of your mental, social, you know, even financial wellness and environmental wellness to a degree before you even get to the physical side. So as you've had the experiencing of helping other people with not only their just wellness, but their health, like, what are some of the misconceptions that you run into quite often? And also, you've already touched on it, but we'll just we'll just continue in that answer. Like, should weight loss be my ultimate wellness metric? And if not, what things should I start to look at? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the common misconceptions is that, like, a good workout means your, your heart is racing, you're dripping in sweat, and you're breathing as hard as you possibly can. Otherwise, you didn't get a good workout in. And I think... A lot of people, it's one or the other. Like it's either I really I went really hard or I didn't get a workout in, and that's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, typically, it happens a lot with athletes because like it's a sense of trauma that like track practice, football practice, basketball practice, those things were hard, and and whether we performed at a high school level, whatever level we performed, we remember, you know, getting our butts kicked and practice and or you know doing those things that had consequences if you didn't do or accomplish certain things as a team and all that good stuff. And it's the last thing that you want to do, but you kind of start for whatever reason, like it becomes a mindset that like, it's all or nothing. If I'm not feeling that way, it wasn't a good workout or I didn't push myself hard enough. And that's not true. You know, your workouts can be 10 minutes. They can be 15 minutes. They can be 20 minutes. I tell my clients, I'd much rather you do five days of 10 minute workouts than nothing beyond working out with me. I'd rather like 50 minutes of physical activity, you know, at whatever intensity that you choose to go to based on how you're feeling is a lot better over time than, you know, zero minutes of physical activity. And that compound effort will add up over time as opposed to not doing it. Right. So those 10 minutes are likely to turn into 15 minutes, 20 minutes, if it becomes a discipline, if you're able to stay consistent. And for me, it's not about the actual action. It's about the consistency. It's about the discipline. That's what creates change. That's what creates, you know, aesthetically pleasing results that you're happy with mentally and physically. And that's what, you know, happens over time. And, and you know, I think we all need to stop measuring our workouts 
on, you know, how hard it is or how much we sweat or, or what it is. And like, yeah, I love an ass kicking workout. I think we all do not, we all do, but I love it. I love an ass kicking workout, but at the same time, I've realized, you know, through my variety of coaches that I lean on to provide structure and accountability for me, that every workout doesn't need to be 150% balls to the wall. Some workouts could just be focused on recovery, movement, you know, breaking a little sweat, but you got to move. You got to move your body. Our bodies are made to move. Our bodies are made for movement. And that's important for staying on track because when you aim to kick your butt every single workout, it's likely that it's going to become dreadful and it's not going to be sustainable. So it's like, how can you create something that's sustainable? And that's what matters most because, you know, it's kind of leads to my next point. Should weight loss be the metric? you know, for fitness and, and wellness. And and I say, hell no. And of course, for some people, that's a goal. That's a necessary goal based on a, whether it's health concerns or just a, a motivational goal, because, you know, you know that at this weight that you look a certain way, that you look and feel a certain way. I say the metric should be how you feel, number one, but also understanding that fitness and wellness is is not a destination. It's a lifelong journey. You know, and that's something that I have to get through to my clients. Like, yeah, sure. I'm happy to help you get to 160. What next? Right? How do we get to 160? How do we stay at 160? How do we find a range as opposed to a specific number that you can stay in that, you know, yeah, if you go on a vacation or whatever, that like if you're 165 to 168, that's okay because we know what it takes to get back to 160. How do we find more of a range of where you can live at? to get really lean or to add a few pounds that we can, you know, kind of play around with. I think ranges are are better to work towards as opposed to specific numbers because that can create a um, unhealthy uh, relationship with the scale, unhealthy relationship with your fitness journey. So I think identifying a range that makes sense and, and really creating structure around those ranges are, are more important than a specific weight loss goal. And, and again, as I said, I think the, the most important metric is how you feel, how you feel when you look at yourself in the mirror, how you feel around other people. I think that's the most important metric. And if you're someone who is, quote unquote, a little overweight, but you're very happy, very pleased and confident to take your shirt off around other people and and do that, then hell yeah, stay there, stay right there. But if you're someone who you know, scared to go on vacation with your friends and take your shirt off and be confident and detrimental to your mental health and your social well-being, then yeah, let's make a change to get you more confidence, to help you build self-confidence, to enhance that overall sense of, of, of well-being so you can, you know, have that strong confidence going into those situations, right? That's by way of how you should strive to feel um, as opposed to a specific number. And, and for a lot of people, they don't know what that number is anyway, we're all unique individuals and there's no one size fits all approach when it comes to fitness and wellness. And, you know, that's something that we need to lean on. You know, I always joke with my clients who send me videos of, of other people working out. They're like, I want to look like this. I'm like, well, you know, that person is six, two and you're five, eight. Also their genetics. You have no idea what their genetics are. Yeah. Yeah. Their genetic makeup. And like, are they using things like we don't know the full picture, Let's focus on what we're working with with you. And again, remember that this is a journey and this is not a not a destination thing. And like, yeah, there will be some trial and error as we work through these things, but it's important to understand that at a high level 
so you can continue to move forward in the way that you need to, because yeah, it's, it's about progress, not perfection. It's so true. And the audience has always heard me say that it's all progress over perfection. And something that I've learned about my own personal journey, because like I mentioned, it's someone that, you know, I, I definitely struggle to stay consistent with working out. You know, I've been blessed with the good genetics that kind of allow me to, to not put on too much weight. But the biggest thing that I've learned really in the last six months is that I experience decision fatigue because I'm running multiple companies because I do so much before I get to that workout that if I leave my workout for the end of the day or I leave wellness or journaling or meditation till the end of the day, it just doesn't happen. So I just want to circle and highlight, you know, that power hour because it's so important. When you now take all of this knowledge, all of the things that you've, I I wish I could show you my notebook right now. It's literally just like lines of notes. And I know others have done the same. When you look forward to one-on-one life, what is your goal there? Talk to us a little bit about that transition to from like professional athlete to CEO. Like you've already kind of touched on a lot of it, but let's start with one-on-one. Like that just seems like such a perfect fit for you and also to be able to influence others and in, in, in their holistic seven dimensions of wellness. 100%. And I think you guys touched on it, but you know, you were part of the initial process in us uh, calling our platform and in in our situation one in one which has formed into one day at a time, which is one mind and one body, because that's all we got. And, you know, our goal is to be a platform where we focus on reaching our goals physically, mentally, and within those seven dimensions of wellness that you just touched on, one day at a time, one step at a time to reach that 1% better together goal. You know, and that's something that's obviously carries over from my personal career and helping a lot of people as a personal trainer, as a life coach, as a wellness coach, you know, it's carried over to building this company out to be based on a lot of those passions that I'm passionate about and a lot of passions that my co-founder is passionate about. He's by no means a a, a fitness coach, but he's a great person. He's somebody who cares to see other people become better um, mentally and physically. And he's someone who cares a lot about his his own self journey and dealt with his own, you know, mental and, and physical wellness journey that, you know, he wants to see other people continue to work through the things that they have going on in a positive way. Us having a lot of similar passions for how we care about people and care about people looking and feeling the way that they want to feel, you know, it was a no brainer to create a company like one in one, uh, which stands for one mind and one body, because that's all we got, you know? So why are we not doing everything we possibly can to nurture those two things and nurture those things on a daily basis to where they can become 1% better each day. And yeah, there's some days where work or life is going to kick your ass and you may become 5% worse. But at the end of the day, we can provide you the resources, the solutions, the infrastructure to become 5% better the next day, or even if it's 2% better the next day and then 2% better the following day, but you're able to have more 1% better days or more positive percentage days than negative percentage days. That's the goal. That's what it's about. Again, it's not about perfection. Every day is not going to be great. You know, I'm not here to sit here and say like, oh yeah, like, you know, you're going through something. Just stay positive. That's not reality. I love a positive mindset. I love looking at the grass is greener on on the other side approach, but we all deal with things. And at the end of the day though, what really bridges the gap between reaching our goals and setting our goals is habits 
discipline and consistency. And, you know, that's understanding that like, yeah, like this shit happened, but what are my habits that have been formed that will allow me to keep going that I can rely on to push through because it happened, you know? And that's why for me, like for the people that work with me, I'm all for bringing problems to the table, but do we have solutions? Solutions matter more. And if we absolutely can't just come to a solution, it's something that we got to think about. You know, that's something that I apply to life too, man. There's usually a solution. Maybe it's not the one that you necessarily wanted to take place, but there's usually a solution and and you got to find it. You got to dig deep and really work towards that. And that's something that we want people to be able to do when they come to into the one-in-one ecosystem, into the one-in-one community. We want to allow people to dig deep, identify where they're at on their physical or mental wellness journey. You know, we want to help them navigate to identify that because I think a lot of people just don't know. They don't know what their actual approach is, what's actually weighing them down from helping them get 1% better each day, from helping them get out of that funk that they may have been in for a week, a year, a couple of years, whatever it may be in. So let's identify that first and foremost. And then once we identify the problem, as with anything like an injury, you know, then we can do the surgical procedure or their necessary rehabbing to help you get better, right? But if we don't identify the problem or provide the necessary structure that's necessary to become better, we're never going to make the positive strides and progress that's necessary to allow us and enable us to feel and look at the way that we should and the way that we want. And that's what one of is all about. Absolutely love that. And it goes, you know, something I mentioned with TJ was it's amazing, you know, as you start to define purpose, which our purposes are very clear. It's to help people recognize that they already have the power. They don't need to be empowered. They need to take it one step at a time. And like you said, focus on 1% better in those seven different areas. So I am so excited for the rest of this year. One in one, like when I first started looking at and working with you all, is something I have really never seen before. Um, It's something that in the area of wellness is defining parameters that we've never spoken about, especially in the black community, but permeating through all communities. So Corey, I really appreciate you being here today. All the links will be below. If you're not already in the one-on-one ecosystem, I 100% implore you to be. I am involved every single day in one-on-one. I absolutely love it. It keeps me on the ball, keeps me going. And people like Corey keep me motivated and inspired. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Khalil. And what you're doing is awesome. Like I said in the beginning and I'm happy to do this way more often and and just love everything about what you do. And I'm super excited to take, you know, one in one, uh, not only to the moon as a company, but, you know, continue to put it into the palms and, and to the computers and, and people around the world, because I love what we're doing. I love what we do at one in one. I love what Tidro and I have built. We still got a long freaking way to go, but, you know, it's not okay to not be okay on a consistent basis. And, you know, we're here to help you and, and, and help the people out there to identify these solutions that are necessary for helping them become 1% better each day and helping them reach their goals, whatever those may be. So that's what it's about. God bless to you, Khalil, and everyone who's listening. And, and you know, thanks again for having me. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstuck.